KRCL, Salt Lake City. KRCL is a member of the Great Salt Lake Collaborative, a solutions journalism initiative of media outlets and community partners. Together, we're working to better inform and engage you about the crisis facing the Great Salt Lake and what can be done to make a difference before it's too late. Read all of the news at greatsaltlakenews.org. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. Rashawn Leak has the night off. Thanks to you for plugging into your community with us tonight. And coming up on the show, we have a Living the Circle of Life takeover, which we've been doing on Tuesday nights with Valine MC and Dave John of Living the Circle of Life. Hey, you two. How you doing? It's so good to be here again, Laura. Thanks for having us. Pretty good and good evening relatives and let's do that land acknowledgement we've been doing with y'all we acknowledge that KRCL is located in broadcasts on indigenous shared territories of the Goshute, Diné, Paiute, Shoshone and Ute people we honor the original land ancestors of this land and also offer respect to other tribal communities we acknowledge this history to cultivate respect for and advocate with our indigenous communities and members still connected to this land. And coming up on the show tonight, a conversation that you've arranged, Dave John. And this is a woman who's walked from Arizona to Washington, DC, just wrapped it up in October, as I understand. We're gonna be talking with a friend of yours. Tell us about Seraphine. Oh uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, we're having uh, Seraphine Warren on tonight. Um, when I found out about this, uh, what she was doing, yeah, it was kind of, I guess, in the last part of May. And anyway, I seen that she wanted to bring awareness for her aunt, uh, Ella May. And she talked about walking to Washington, D.C. And so... Yeah, I figured this might be a good story or, you know, get some info out of what why she's doing this. And so, yeah, so we, I had her on the show and, yeah, she talked about what she was going to do. And, yeah, it, it's pretty nice, strong cause, you know, uh, to bring awareness, um, to help find her aunt, you know, and kind of just the different things she came across you know with the politicians people and so yeah it's good that you know she completed her walk and yeah so she uh, actually yeah she changed her route and it just happened to be where I was going through Gallup and she was going through Gallup and <laughs> yeah so I met up with her and if anybody heard the interview yeah yeah I guess they could tell I was out of breath on that <laughs> nice little rock <laughs> so, yeah then she finished her walk yeah a couple weeks back and so I asked if she could come on do an update for all the listeners that have been following her story also I'm excited to hear that conversation now last week it was music meets movies right yes. and uh, we screened rumble the Indians who rocked the world the two of you went down and introduced the film I heard there was more than 100 people there yeah, there were so many people there, Laura. Dave and I had such a blast, too. It was really, 
it's really awesome just being indigenous there's we bring up certain causes and activism and then it's always really nice to celebrate indigenous excellence and so that was it was fun how did you like it dave oh yeah because even just talking to some of the people that came and saw the documentary you know yeah they were surprised how many artists um yeah just the music uh, so a lot of people enjoyed the documentary, so I think yeah. it was a good choice. It really was. And the music, just all the different artists, it's just like the one-two punch just hitting you with all this amazingness. I mean, just talented musicians, everybody from like Robbie Robertson, Link Ray That's that we're listening to. <laughs> and then bringing it all the way up into modern times, we had, uh, was it Taboo of um, yeah, the Black, Black Eyed, Eyed Peas? Peas. Yeah. So it was really cool to see the journey. That's awesome. You've also recorded some some pieces for us that we're going to start airing tonight. So here we're going to get into one of these uh, special stories that Valine's recorded. Singer-songwriter, guitarist, and composer Jesse Ed Davis was a member of the Kiowa and Comanche Nations. Born in Oklahoma, he began his career in the 1950s and went on to work with Eric Clapton, Taj Mahal, and John Lennon, just to name a few. In 1972, he released Red Dirt Boogie Brother. Ain't no Beatle, ain't no Rolling Stone. Ain't but just one thing. Can't get left to jazz, just plain old rock and roll. Ain't got no such dream. Just got one thing right here in my bucket. A lot of folks in life. Same kind of feeling make me keep on drugging. Just a red dirt boogie brother ain't no jive. Red Dirt Boogie Brother by Jesse Ed Davis. I'm Valiant MC of Living the Circle of Life, celebrating Davis's legacy and indigenous excellence during Native American Heritage Month on KRCL. Valiant MC. <laughs> bringing us some knowledge and you do a lot of that on living the circle of life on sundays from 7 to 10 a.m it's really one of my favorite parts yeah. like i when i'm putting together the show i always it's i learn something new every time i hope i bring something to krcl listeners that they can learn something new and it's really always i didn't know they were native or yeah duh they're native i have those moments where i go back and forth yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Dave, how about you? Oh. Because you're finding lots of new music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I like is one band leads to another and it leads to another genre. And so, yeah, finding a lot of new, new, yeah, music out there. And, but yeah, I don't know. I'm just glad I recommended Rumble to uh, Val there (laughs) to watch it. Yes, he did. (laughs) Uh, and I think a big part of it, too, in, like, doing Did You Know They Were Native, and just with our show that Dave and I host, Living the Circle of Life, every Sunday, 7 to 10 a.m., is where you want to break down stereotypes. Because Native Americans, Indigenous people, Alaska Natives, we span the genres of music and as artists. Mm-hmm. And so they can do everything from traditional to contemporary. And there's no limits to that. And yeah. what that's, I feel like, part of our job is to showcase that. And the two of you are always looking for music to share from traditional to contemporary. Always. And folks' mm-hmm. stories like Seraphine's. How can they get in touch with you? 
So they can always reach out to us through email. Um, one of the best ways, because Dave and I both get that, and that's livingthecircle at krcl.org. And I also wanted to remind folks that through the 19th, it's Rock Your Mocks on social media. Have you been seeing some stuff pop up? Yes, yes. And with Rock Your Mocks, too, it's it's you can be cultural with it. There's some people who do 5Ks with it. I mean, it it's so fun to see how everybody expresses themselves. And in Alaska, we have our mucklucks. Ah, <laughs> so you're rocking your mucklucks? I'm rocking our mucklucks. Yeah, yeah so... <laughs> To participate, you know, just get together a little team, find out where they're going to be walking at, and, yeah, join the walk. And then post with the hashtag RockYourMocks. Yeah, yeah. And Dave John might just be out there with his recorder, (laughs) one of your walks, (laughs) like he was with Seraphine, who's coming up later. All right, so I went to the RimCord radio conference last week, the Rocky Mountain Community Radio. How was that? It was great. And I got to meet some folks from KSUT uh, down in the Four Corners area, tribal radio. And I started looking through the different stories filed that we could share maybe tonight. And I found one that I thought was uh, pertinent because Dave's brought this story on quite a bit. So the last operating uranium mill in the U.S., as I'm sure many of our listeners and you two are aware, is in White Mesa, Utah. It's been the target of ongoing protests and criticism from environmental activist groups and the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe. So for KSUT and KSJD, this story filed earlier this month from Clark Adamitis. He's got the details. Energy Fuels Uranium Mill has been protested since it opened in 1979. The mill is located just five miles north of the White Mesa community. Initially designed to process uranium ore, it now receives radioactive waste from around the world, an estimated 700 million pounds. The tribe is concerned over the mill's proximity, but Curtis Moore, vice president of marketing at Energy Fuels, says protesters have the details all wrong. We support the free speech and the right to protest uh, of the White Mesa community, but we also encourage that those people protesting, you know, learn more about what we do and learn more about all the safety measures that are in place and the fact that there's no evidence that there's any any problems out there. But local activists cite numerous problems. One is uranium disposal pond 4B. That waste cell is partially uncovered and in violation of the Clean Air Act, according to the EPA. The mill is working on recovering it, but it will only be covered by March 2023. Protesters say it's a concern for radon emissions, but Moore says the EPA had originally allowed them to expose it. Chalk that up to a, a huge misunderstanding between us and the EPA. The EPA in 2019, they gave us permission to draw that cell down and dry it out. We proved to the EPA back in 2016, 17, 18, 19, that those crystals emit hardly any radon. Last week, the mill's critics voiced their issues with the mill at White Mesa's fourth annual peace walk and protest. Talia Boyd from the Navajo Nation is concerned about how the mill could affect her groundwater. This facility sits right on top of the Navajo Aquifer, which provides groundwater to not only the Ute Mountain Ute, but also Navajo, Hopi, and surrounding non-tribal communities. If this aquifer should be compromised, that impacts all of us adversely. Energy Fuel says that the mill is not affecting the groundwater, and if it did, that would be a violation against the state of Utah that regulates the mill. There's a shallow aquifer that occurs all over San Juan County. It's not for drinking water. You know, people water their cattle with it. It's naturally cloudy and it smells like sulfur. It's pretty bad water. The water is not cloudy and smelling like sulfur because of us. Michael Badback grew up in White Mesa. 
He remembers wild rabbits in thick sage bushes before the mill opened in the 1970s. He took me on a backroads tour of the mill. The sagebrush, half of them are dead. And there used to be rabbits out here. If you drive like this, a rabbit will run in front of you. Energy Fuels blames the loss of wildlife on the desert and drought conditions that southeast Utah faces. There is a, a severe drought in the region. That would affect vegetation, and that might affect wildlife as well. That's probably a much more viable explanation than something from the mill. Activists will continue to protest operations at the mill. The next time they might take action is in January 2023, when the mill's groundwater discharge permit is up for renewal. The public can comment on how the mill may be affecting their groundwater. Here's Aaron Paul, an attorney at the Grand Canyon Trust. That's intended to apply requirements to protect groundwater, and it's an opportunity for folks to weigh in, both to express general opposition to the pollution that's already occurred at the mill, but also to make suggestions about what to do about it. In the meantime, activists are continuing the decades-long fight to push for the mill to be permanently closed. For KSUT and KSJD, I'm Clark Adamitis. And again, that story filed November 4th at a KSUT and KSJD via the Rocky Mountain Community Radio Coalition, RIMCOR, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah, now including KRCL. That's our rallies and resources. Stick around. We've got the Living the Circle of Life takeover coming up with Valine MC and Dave John of Living the Circle of Life. But we had a song that our guest chose, right, Seraphine? Oh, yeah. It was uh, from uh, Gary Stewart. Um, the song was, um, Are We Dreaming the Same Dream? Anyway, I guess that used to be uh, her aunt's favorite song, so that's why she requested it. Seraphine Warren coming up. Let's get this song on for her. Recorded live at Billy Bob's Texas. KRCL Radioactive. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Love Promise, a partnership with local nonprofit organizations to support and strengthen our community. Now accepting applications for 2023 nonprofit partnerships. More information on Mark Miller Subaru's Love Promise and application process at markmillersubaru.com. KRCL is turning 43, and we're inviting you to come out and celebrate the station's anniversary with us at our first ever Holiday Soul Party on December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room in Salt Lake City. KRCL DJs, photo booth, food truck, and live music with Ryan Innes, AM Bump, and the Omega Horns, with a special VIP soul set with me, eBay Hamilton. So come on out and celebrate 43 years of community radio with a night full of feel-good soul music and all your favorite radio friends here at KRCL. That's Saturday, December 3rd at the Commonwealth Room. Get your tickets now at krcl.org. Hope to see you all there. More details at krcl.org. I'm Laura Jones. You're listening to Radioactive. And coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Connor and the Late Night Lowdown at 8, Super Sounds with Chovy at 10.30, and then John Florence starts a brand new day at 6 a.m. You can find our whole schedule online at krcl.org. Hit that Programs tab, and you can also listen on demand to the last two weeks of any show, including this one. And now it's time for Valiant MC and Dave John from Living the Circle of Life to take over the show. Take it away, Dave. 
Well, again, uh, good evening, relatives. <laughs> and, um, yeah, thanks for joining us on Radioactive, and thanks to Laura for letting us take it over again. <laughs> but tonight, um, yeah, we have uh, Seraphine Warren. Um, yeah, when I first met um, Seraphine was kind of, I think, the last tell part of May uh, before she started her walk. And, yeah, I thought it was a good story to bring to light, you know, because we see a lot of stuff going on with the indigenous community. Also with another group that I'm with, you know, we have a subgroup called MMIW Plus Utah. So we also kind of keep our ears open and, you know, just kind of keep updated on that. Uh, murdered and missing indigenous women. Um, yeah, so I had bring Seraphine on. Uh, she kind of talked about what she wanted to do. And yeah, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Good evening, everybody. My name is Seraphine Warren. I am. I'm. That is um, Edgewater, born for tobacco red running into water. Mud people are my grandparents, and then Red House are my grandparents, too. Um, I, I am originally from Red Mesa. I live here in Salt Lake. Um, I am currently advocating for my aunt, Ella Mae Begay, who's been missing since June 15th of last year. Um, I'm also the person that... Um, did this prayer walk from Sweetwater from the doorstep of my auntie's house to Washington DC. I started that um, this year June 15th. I left at 2.30 in the morning and I made it to Washington DC October 9th in the evening time is when I got there. Um, my aunt is Ella Mae Begay. She, she went missing when she was 62 years old and she has three kids, one son and two daughters. She also has nine grandkids and two great-great-grandkids. Um, she was a widow. Um, her husband was murdered 21 years ago. And um, I, I guess that really um, bothered me a lot because um, her being missing and her husband being murdered, um, both fall into the missing and murdered. And, um, I guess that's why I feel like this story is unique in that way for, um, for everybody to understand that how does this happen in the same household? Um, and then also, um, my aunt's, um, grandson was also involved with the murder. It was color as kind of a retaliation, um, with um the family that murdered my uncle it was it wasn't a neighbor or there were neighbors of my aunt and so my my um auntie's grandson went and retaliated and murdered one of their family members so i feel like um to stop the cycle and to um understand what areas need we need help on um, I guess that was one thing that I educated myself with. Um, um, when when we started, I felt like um, I, 
this this um, I I just hear about it. I never thought that it would um, happen to us or at the and then also thinking that we would find her in that same day. Um, and it's almost two years now here in um, in June. It's going to be two years and. That says a lot with just the, the amount of time that's that she's been missing. Where what what went wrong? What 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 did we miss for it to to go this long? And um, starting out with my walk, um, I started out from Sweetwater to Wonder Rock. Um, that was that took me a whole week to walk um, to bring awareness for missing and murdered. Um, first, it was just because I needed help. I needed. Um, to get people to um, um, to know that my aunt went missing and we need help to find her. Um, police departments, they are probably required to come and help look for the first few hours or the few for two weeks they were there and then we were out on our own. Um, I, I don't understand like how we were expected to look for our aunt on our own when we don't even know what a body uh, a remain looks like a bone or um, what direction to look for because we're not the ones that is given the evidence we don't know the story and so we, we've been walking in circles for almost two months on our own and none of the law enforcement came out and um, checked on us like just even asking to, or to update us on what 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 um, level our uh, my aunt's case was at and when we go search it was so hot that time the the attempts was 109 to sometimes 110 and at the end of every evening when we're done searching with my cousin's sisters it was it, it dwindled to just the family members immediate families and there was like 15 of us to 20 sometimes that came out to search and every evening it was sad because it was another evening that we didn't find my aunt and we always used to gather at my uncle's house and he, he was the one that cooked for us lunch, breakfast and dinner. And my uncle, he he had back problems and stuff so he couldn't have went out there to help us search and um, he just offered to cook for us. And so when we come back in the evening, um, it was sad to, to see him because he always says anything. Like he, he was always excited to think that we found something but we didn't and he would say, oh my gosh, like that, that word was just, like a failure like mm. you know that there's gonna be another day maybe maybe it's maybe tomorrow and we'll eat and then we just kind of give each other positive um advices and then we're at it again in the morning and i guess every day i just i just seen we started bumping heads as family members because we were searching in places that we knew that she would not have been and we were just tired and tired and our family needed to get home because we had our own life and we had to own, maintain our own lifestyle. Um, and we we're trying to figure out how, what's going to happen next. What's like, we all have to go back to work. We're getting behind on our bills and we didn't know, we didn't all know what to do. Um, but I know that one thing that we all agreed on was to keep her name out there and to, to, to let people know we're still looking for her. And so I gave, I offered to to take a whole month and a half off and everybody went back to work um, 
it, it, it got hard because I was still we were still searching every week and um, gathered and slowly everybody um, I, don't, I don't know if it's just the fact that our bills were more important or um, but we just didn't want to like right now the way I look at it is that we didn't want to find her in the way that we don't we didn't remember her like mm. to find her remains if that's the case or um, the hope of finding her alive I know everybody is really um, kind of hesitant to think in that way anymore because of the length of time that she's been missing and and being native you cannot think that that has happened because we don't have proof but um, you run into due to times where um, even when you're talking about her you say was or it's not present anymore and you catch yourself and for me or I don't know if it's like that for people when you're like when you talk about her in past tense it bothers you because for me I, I always think like no what did I did I jinx it like did I mm. did, did, did I um did I say something that I wasn't supposed to say and um I'm pretty sure we all had our own feelings on why we didn't want to continue searching or why we we don't want to and um as I as as I was educating myself I was thinking like how how are we gonna find her where are we gonna find her she only had three kids um leaving the burden on the three kids and them not knowing what to do either like how 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 do you step away from this how do you how do you know that that is your family member how do you how do you just stop um and And then and then it became a competition um with who was the who who loves her more who's doing the bit who's who's doing a lot more and that never did I see it in that way. I I was so honored and glad to step up and and do this walk for her, the first walk, and to protect my family because I know they were tired. I know that they had their own bills that they need to go, and we just wanted closure. And I didn't mind. I didn't mind getting up and and doing this. Two thirty in the morning, I walked from her house, and I I started walking, thinking that my aunt was the only one that was missing. I I truly, honestly thought that she was the only one missing and and for those of you who are just tuning in we're talking with seraphine warren and warren who's discussing her prayer walk and uh, awareness walk for her for her aunt ella may and i think it's so interesting as we listen to you here and our, li- our listeners are hearing you bring so much humanity to what sometimes seems like a glazed over cause and statistic of missing and murdered indigenous women and relatives. And it's, this is important because I feel like you show that this is real, this is affecting real people. And you talk about things that I think those who aren't in your shoes, um, in your family's shoes, that you have to balance between getting resources, recruiting resources, gathering awareness, and then also balance in your lives as a family. And then this lack of support causes tension within your family, things that people don't even begin to understand or think about. So you're bringing so much beautiful um, awareness, I guess, but not even that connection Mm -hmm. in making this real for people. So we really want to thank you for being here. And um, a question that I had in just kind of going back and then as you continue to talk about, because you said you, you've gone numerous walks, not just this one extensive uh, walk, 
but from Sweetwater to Washington, D.C., but also um, you left, you, you pointed that out, you left at 2.30 in the afternoon in the when you began your walk, in the morning, sorry, when you began your walk. So can you explain to our listeners the significance of that and talk about your first few walks that you took? Um, I leave at 2.30 in the morning because that's when they last supposedly seen her leave with her truck. Um, I know that everybody has a, an, an elder at, at their home that's, that's 62 years old or even older if they are even able to drive. I want people to understand that this does not make sense. Um, our elders should have been at home. Our elders need to be taken care of. Our elders need, are very important because they're the ones that moved us along to the point where most of my, uh, the, when I was raised, they were the ones that also raised me. So they were very important. And to save them and um, and how fast technology and everything is, is changing, their words and their the way they cared, the way they were um, raised, we need we still need to preserve that as much as we can like um um our language like that, that they they're so holding it so if we're doing this to each other and to our elders you that you can clearly see that we don't even care about that either this doesn't even have nothing to do with her being murdered or missing it was the knowledge that she had she was a rug weaver she was a master rug weaver it's fortunate that she shared her artwork with her kids and taught her kids how to weave and and she was living making a living with it and it leaves you with a gap or a missing puzzle now that now everybody's cherishing their materialistic things the fact is that she she herself is missing. Why is why are we just talking about her? Why couldn't we just have done something from the get go? So, for an elderly to leave at two thirty in the morning, I I highlight that for the community in itself that they need to be safe. That this happened at two thirty in the morning, that it could happen to anybody. That's that's the message that I'm bringing mm. to start at that time. My that walk that I was ta I'm talking about that I think that my aunt was the only one that's missing. Um, in the morning it was dark. It was pitch dark. There was dogs barking, and um, what I was gonna do is I was gonna I wasn't gonna tell nobody where that I was gonna do this walk. I was gonna park my car over at her house and just start walking. I wasn't even gonna tell my mom. And the reason why I was going to do that was I was going to show people like how how easy it was for somebody just to just up and leave and, and go missing. Mm -hmm. um, but my family was already going through a lot, so I couldn't just put him in that position again. So I, I mentioned um, the walk to my brother, um, my auntie LMA's oldest brother. So I call him my brother because we're taught that on my mom's side, our siblings and her sister's kids are they're pretty much our biological um, brothers, and then on my uh, my dad's side, they're our cousins. They're they're that's how we're supposed to um, um, introduce them. So my brother, I told him, I said, this is what I, I'm planning, and he amazes me. My my brother, he's very strong. Never 
I, I, I um, when he came down to help us search, I, I went with him a lot. I, I, I drove around with him and um, never did I see him cry. Never did I see him show any type of um, emotion to know that he, like, I, I don't know personally how he handles situations like this because his dad was murdered 21 years ago and I, I, I felt just looking at him on drive, I felt really sorry for him that well, wonder what would I do if I was him? Like if this was, if this was my mom, if this was my dad was murdered and stuff. And I, um, I don't have my dad here. And you're referring to your brother who is Ella May Begay's son. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, I told him and he, he pretty much backed me since then. He, he stood up and he's like, yeah. Um, and he's like, when you get there, um, no, he he said, I want my mom's name on Biden's desk because he knew this walk meant a lot to all of us. And, it, and um, nobody hadn't done it, even if when it was just from my aunt's house to Winter Rock, that he thought that that would bring media attention. Because that's when you first started yeah. is when you left Sweetwater Walk to Window Rock, Window Rock yeah. leaving at 2.30 in the morning. So that was one of your walks. Mm-hmm. And then you did a second walk. Mm-hmm. And it was at the same walk that you took? No. Okay. Um, the first walk I met. Oh my gosh, a lot of family that had missing loved ones from years. And, and this goes back to what you were saying is you thought it was just your family. Mm-hmm. And then this ends up being a call out to others that you're not alone, mm-hmm. that I see you. And it's because it sounds like almost this, this experience, you don't really understand it unless you've gone through it. And I, and I invite listeners as they listen here on Radioactive and listen, listening to Seraphine's story and about her aunt, Ella May, and that this is a real human experience. We're not just talking about the cause of MMIW. We're talking about this realness that your family is moving through right now. Yeah, um, you're listening to... Uh Living the Circle of Life takeover on KRCL's Radioactive. I'm Dave John with Val MC, and we are talking with Seraphine Warren about um, uh, her trailing LMA. So we're just doing a little update on that, too. Um, also, too, um, kind of like the first be- beginnings of the months and stuff, um, you notice that you needed resources or, you know, the Navajo Nation needed resources. You know, um, could you talk about that, of what would really help with families that go through this, you know, and what resources would be nice that the Navajo Nation or any tribe, you know, can provide? Well, it's hard to say a lot of resources that we need is like um, – my walk to DC it I walked for um drones like equipments um we don't have that the the uh, law enforcement have those equipments but they only use it for a certain amount of time because I know that they are attending other calls and stuff with those and they need those and I was walking to get um, a search and rescue team because I guess we don't have one we do have one but like I said it's just limited it's not ongoing for these missing and murdered cases that people oh, we have families that want to continue to search but we don't have those equipments or we don't have the funds to to help out and to continuously look um, and then we need 
professionals. I say we need professionals because as family dealing with missing and murdered, you're not, your mind is already somewhere else. You're, you're in another scenario. You're not even looking on the ground. We don't even know what remain looks like. And um, we need professionals out there. I mean, um, and then also we need rehabilitation centers because going through this, I've met people that um, that did experience missing. Um, there's people that are on it in addictions, like the stories that I'm, I'm going to talk about that was shared with me on the way that made me think about these are the ways that people get go missing really easily. Um, there's a I guess there's a couple that goes around on our reservation that takes our native people and they um, prey on Native Americans and then they take them to the next town or uh, to a different for they put hope in our native people to think like, no, what these guys are going to help us because I guess that's what they offer that they're going to take them to the next town. And just with that little hope that somebody wants to change, that should also tell our leaders and people that know what our loved ones do want help. They are reaching out to and they're just getting into these vehicles because they have that hope to to change. We don't have that rehabilitation centers for a lot of the drugs, the new drugs that came up, fentanyl, meth, people that are in meth. Like there's no how how do you reach out to a family and say, can these this person needs help and um, or counselors? I haven't since I since I started dealing with this never did a counselor reach out to any of my families or myself to to ask are you okay do you need i think you need an evaluation that can we just at least talk about this um those those type of things and then the, like the equipments um we don't even have legal aid we don't even have ways to reach out to like these radio stations and and um, tv stations it looked like this you have to do something new to grab somebody else's attention to get us on media attention uh, to get media attention and that's why these walks it did catch somebody's attention it did it, everybody wanted to know who i was and after that and this this walk was for that we don't have media attention that was one of the reasons why i i picked this way to walk from here to there knowing that it was far knowing that there was going to be a lot of um um dangers or situations where I might not have finished a walk um, and reaching out to these and sharing my my information with whoever reaches out to me with all these other families that are want to talk to um, the people that I've talked to too and and then the the finances um, like we don't have the funds for people that wants to print more flyers or people that want to continue to search and they need their gas money. And you, let's say you have 20 people that want to come search, but they don't have gas money and you have to f provide that for them or the food to feed these searchers when they're out there helping you out. Um, and then funeral expenses. Uh, it comes to remains that are sent out of state often to Navajo reservation. And it takes months and months and months for them to finally give back the remains and get to be prepared for those funeral expenses if that's the case and then you have to go we like right now um if when it when my aunt's case goes to court i'm gonna have to go all the way to phoenix and i live out here and then it's, it's the expenses from here and we're on somebody else's land we're on somebody else's procedures and protocols and uh, policies and they're not going to come to us we need to think ahead for those type of things to make sure these family are as comfortable as they can and start the healing process while we're doing well we're doing dealing with this um one of the, the walk that i took i think that one 
thing that I was really struggling with was learning about how many families that have been missing years ago. My mind went where they're at. Like, how are you even still alive to, to think that your loved one is still out there? How are you even functioning? Like, I wanted them to tell me, like, what, what, what keeps you motivated and still be able to live a life every day? I, I felt like I literally couldn't do it. I don't know. It, I guess it's the fact that there was there's families that did have their love. They found the loved one alive and they came back a year later or a few more years later. And um, on my end, I'm just like, if, if that's the case, is, are they feeding her? Is she okay? Are they hurting her? Like, that's my constant thought. And I'm just frantically still trying to look around and um, somebody will tell me their story. And I, I always try to fit the scenario with what happened with my aunt with that to see if that could be the way that this happened and because that kind of opens up a possibility yeah. of of cuz you're in the quest of trying to find mm -hmm. why's on top of trying to find resources mm -hmm. and something you were you were talking about earlier and um for the search and why you had to do this walk and you were talking about fundraising and uh to to get resources mm -hmm. because you said that um the police or the the um justice um, would only help for about two to three weeks. And then after that, you said that they actually even called off the search and asked you to stop searching. Mm -hmm. So this walk, this prayer walk, um, and trailing for your aunt Ella May is an answer to that, mm -hmm. that you won't stop mm -hmm. and that you will continue. So, and you were talking about the resources and receiving help and support. And it sounds like it, just in going through this, we think of someone who's in search of their loved one, our hearts just go out. But you found that it wasn't always the case for that, whether it was dealing with um, heads of, of tribal nations or heads of government, it was hard to see, make them connect the humanity in it. Mm -hmm and sometimes taking advantage of an opportune moment. So, I mean, that's a lot you have to balance. And then on top of that, you're bringing so much awareness and talking about how do we support families that are even going through this? Mm -hmm. Is it, cause, so can you talk about that? There's a lot coming at you and I just, I touched on a lot of things, but how do you get support for family members? And is it normally something that would come from like IHS clinic or is that something that would, I'm sorry, Indian Health Service Clinic or is that something that would come from like the police department? What does that look like? <laughs> no, it doesn't come from the IHS or the police department. We have to go literally um, search through it. It's, it's kind of like right now you could Google stuff. This one we're actually using a book, like a dictionary looking for words. That's kind of like how hard it is. Um, something works for somebody, somebody works. So we're just... In, in order to, for this, these things to all work, these families that I've met, they reach out to me, this is what I found out, and we're just sharing information in between. Somebody goes to this rally and they'll, oh yeah, I heard this over here, and it's just like we're, we're just moving along. Sometimes that deters our minds from what we were focusing on, like trying to look for our loved one. You, in, when you're in this, I don't know if it's just for me, but when you're dealing with this, you're just, you're thinking of um, how, um, how, how you're going to get through the next day with this, with that, that's, that's just hope when somebody tells you something and you're, you get excited and that keeps pushing you and you, you think that that didn't work for that person. So let's go try this one here, talk to this person, or, or let me connect you with this person. And, um, I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's that, that keeps me motivated to know that I'm not in this alone and somebody always, 
um, is there to to vent to me. So when it comes to like um, um, like counseling for myself mentally to see if I'm stable or if I'm if, if I'm still sane, I I have people that are literally that's important though because yeah. that can be a really slippery slope. Yeah. And so I mean I appreciate you being so open in that because. You can't even imagine that, but that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying, how do you how do you check that? How do you how do you make sure and check in with yourself? Well, that that goes with people that hadn't experienced this. This that goes to people that had experienced these so people that really like like I said when earlier when I was talking to you outside that um, I want to talk to people with a heart. And and as a person that's dealing with this, you know who's going to lie to you, who you know who's going to put your hopes up. And you look for those same words that somebody else already used. And if you once you hear that, you're just like, no, I don't, I don't even want to check talk out. to you. Yeah. Yeah, because there's Please. always a difference between somebody that's tar- talking from the heart mm-hmm. and somebody that's actually just talking probably through the PR view, you know, cause like a mouthpiece. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll regurgitate the same thing you always hear. Cause you know, they're not going to really try to help you yeah. out, you yeah. know? And yeah, I could understand that, you know, where like with pretty much everything, I think it's always boils down to the grassroots people. Cause you know, we're out there trying to solve problems you know, we're not really looking for a PR thing, you know, like politicians are, you know, they're just going through the same thing. And especially when an election is coming up, then they act like they care, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as we get towards the end of our show here and the end of the program, I, what is something that you feel? Because I want to hear about what happened at the end of the walk. Did you raise your funds? And then what is something that you want to leave our listeners um, understanding, knowing, or how they can support the search for LMA? Um, when I got to D.C., um, like you were talking about politicians and as, us as, as, as people that are dealing with this, um, we, we, we know what, like, we're already investigators in itself. So we're, we're, we're reading every person's hugs and what, like, we, we know the difference by now. And we're pretty experienced in that. So you can't just approach somebody and, and, and be like, oh, how do you want to help? Like, even that is offensive to me when somebody says, how do you want me to help you or support you? And it's like, it, it's so easy, so simple. Um, when I got to D.C., people highlighted their education and their job skills and how long they've been doing certain things. And I'm I, that doesn't impress me. I'm looking for you to get up and do what I just did is get up and let's just get this situated. Um and instead of talking about it so less I mean, talk you're saying more action yeah more action i mean put put i mean if you make that much money you could come up with an idea of how you got it and how you got to that to that point um the, the officials at the end on our navajo nation the officials that was a, during a campaign um thing that was going on and people were reaching out oh i want to come to support you even that i stopped them i said no i don't need your help because when somebody I said what's your name so they tell me their name and I look through their Facebook profile and I notice our own leaders do not even pass around our flyers they do not even pass around the donations that we're asking for let's say if there's a funeral expense covered these leaders should be the first one to share these and try to get us funds so we could cover these but they have to check to see how much we make how much our vehicle assets are in order for us to get approved for these kind of funds when they should just 
pay for the whole funeral expenses. We already been through a lot. So why? So there's a lot of bureaucratic hoops yes. you have to jump through to even start receiving resources. Yes. yes. Okay. And let's see. So uh, Dave, is there any uh, last questions that you want to ask as we wrap up here with Seraphine? Um, well, mostly, you know, like when everything you've gone through and you see what needs to be supplied, you know, like um, cadaver dogs, drones, uh, therapists, you know, uh, different resources where it, it just seems like after two weeks, everything just stops. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it looks like people need to go over that wall and have these resources, you know, for aid and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I think what I was trying to get to is, you know, you know what, what the people need that are asking for help from the government, you know, the tribal offices and stuff. And I think, you know, there's always somebody that's got to start it, you mm -hmm. know, because the politicians won't start it by themselves. It's always got to be somebody that has to push it. Mm -hmm. And it looks like you got a lot of backing behind you, you know, just people that been through what you've been through, even people that haven't, you know, but they know there's a need. And I think just keep on bringing that to the light and... Hopefully, you know, the Navajo Nation will start, you know, you, you won't even have to ask. It's mm -hmm. there provided for everybody. Yeah. So um, on my Facebook, Trailing LMA, um, I do have my uh, letter of um, what I walked for, what, what, what came to me on, my, on the way. And it's a, a statement that I, I shared with Deb Howlin and, and s several of these officials that I work with. And uh, my mission statement was on there for what m I was raising funds with. I didn't raise in enough funds to even buy one equipment because they are expensive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't just get a used one, then we get it break broke down on the on the way where we're at. And um, mainly that the funds that I had, it, it covered uh, my expenses getting there and then the vehicle rental that I had and then also... Um, I was going back helping some families that were continuing to search or that needed gas money in certain this So I wasn't really holding on to all this money. I was helping still out while I was still walking because there I couldn't just hold on to it. I mean, I, I knew that people were still wanting to, to find their loved one. And on this quest, I, I, I really learned a lot um, and how I want to approach this with my aunt from, from here. And this is my aunt's new story. I mean, regardless of what the outcome is, if she comes back or um, safely or if she's no longer here um, we're still going to trail her because she is part of this chain just because she's not here that doesn't mean she she can't be part of it and she was a social media person she didn't want to be out there and be known for this but this is my story for her and I'm tr I'm respectfully doing it in honor of her to know that I have the legs I have the mouth I have the capacity to to help her and be be able to be out there for her and we want to thank you so much seraphine warren and her cause and uh, sharing about her journey and her walk in trailing lma her aunt and you can check tonight's show notes for a link to seraphine's uh social media where you said that you have the mission statement and kind of your whole journey throughout this process and i'm valiant mc and 
Uh, I'm Dave John. And this has been uh, Living the Circle of Life Takeover here on KRCL's Radioactive. And we want to wish you all a really good night. And we say a big koyana to Seraphine for being on our show tonight. Going to go out with Neon Natives. This song is? This song is called Indigenous Women. And it really fits tonight's um, show. And I really hope you just listen and let that in. And we honor LMA and all her family and relatives. women. Guided by the spirits of our stolen sisters, we made amends, we assembled, we are activated, and created a sisterhood across many tribal nations and advocate for justice until this poisonous patriarchy ends. We are still here, and we refuse to be silent. KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener supported, community radio. Support for KRCL comes from our listeners and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.